1: It is your weekend, Neil Atkinson, Alison McGovern I have got Josh Sexton and I've got Dan Austin in front of me to talk about first and foremost Liverpool nil Bayern Munich nil and then to come I've got Rory Smith talking about the the notion of Bayern Munich being in decline, what that actually means John Gibbons went to a Red Neighbours event this morning and spoke to some footballers and other people whilst he was there and we will be talking about Manchester United versus Liverpool, that is all to come on your weekend of this week but I'm going to start off I'm going to go to Dan Austin first and foremost Liverpool nil, uh, Bayern Munich nil, what did it feel like and what does it feel like now Uh,
2: it felt and still feels the same to me I think that it was two very very good European football teams playing a really intense match but neither quite having the quality to make it count in the final third so it's not a European nil nil in the style of a European nil nil from 10 years ago it's not a Rafa Benitez you get a nil nil in the first leg and then try and win the second one nil sort of a sort of a European game it was more that we wanted to make the home advantage count they were quite happy to go away with things level and although we were ostensibly the better side and that we had a bit more of the football and we had a bit more of it in the final third neither team for all of the willing and all of the technical quality that he had on the pitch was able to put one single move together that was good enough to score a goal and that can be perfectly fine sometimes with we've, we've Sort of forgotten I think that matches can end nil nil because we've only had the it's Manchester. Isn't it? <laughs> we've only had the Manchester City one this season. Um, and even that sorta of felt like a strange one in that they were just trying to get away with without a battering like they came and got at Ramfield last season. Um, and they had the penalty just before the end of the game and it very nearly didn't finish nil-nil. So it felt like two teams that were just good enough to equalise each other to me. Um, which is obviously a shame because you always want to go with the advantage. But I came away very confident that Liverpool will score in the Allianz I don't think there's I don't think there's any way they'd stop us in two games consecutively and if we score there in all likelihood that means that we go through um how
1: does it feel now
3: yeah I think on reflection a little disappointing actually because I think that we had we had a lot of shots In the first half I would even say like the first half of the first half we looked quite convincing we looked like we were finding chances at that point in the game I was thinking we're gonna get one of these Uh, this is gonna be all right and then the second half I thought was a really 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 different uh, game we had kind of a lot of possession but made a lot more mistakes and that's why I think we didn't score and in the end you know, Dan's right. They were obviously happy to come away with the draw. So it feel it feels kind of like all right, but a bit frustrating. Okay. It says we we co- I think we could have scored and we didn't score, rather than. They stopped us the scoring.
1: First half, 10 shots, second half, 5. I mean, these are sometimes that's a bit raw, that sort of data, Josh, to be honest with you, but it does back up part of Allison's point there, really. I think, in many ways, our best sort of opportunity in terms of cutting through them comes just before the break when the ball bounces a bit the wrong way for Firmino after we've it's quite a nice almost two moves back to back. Liverpool get in. Did they stop us or? I'm quite intrigued. I, f- I do feel as though you know that they themselves um, they didn't have a gear change in the second half. That's mm. the, that's the odd thing. They did not have a gear change.
4: Yeah, I think I sort of echo the sentiments of both Dan and Ali there. It was one of the frustrating things for me was in the second half was we seemed to sort of revert revert to that frustrated Liverpool of a few seasons ago where it's where it's sort of pot crosses as I call them where you're sort of getting the ball wide and, and hitting it in the hope you're going to get something but against but you know centre halves like Sula and Hummels it didn't really seem to come it was it was Liverpool didn't look like they could cut their opponent apart but at the same time Bayern Munich looked like they'd they tightened up significantly second half in fairness so but like Dan says I can't I can't see them playing the same way at the Allianz for one and I can't see them keeping us out again why can't you see them playing the same way in the- Elianz for one I'm going to give you the look ahead to
1: me talking to Rory Smith which is I think it might actually suit them to make it a 20 minute game
4: right well I I've, I've, keep I've, it tight till <laughs> 60 and go from there I think they'll have to come out to some extent because I think their, their fans will be expecting a, a fast start okay. from them. I think that's, that's sort of in, in these Champions League games, particularly given the sort of tension that's going to be going into that. That's, that's just what I'd, I'd expect from a Bayern Munich side that, admittedly, I've not seen much of over the course of the season. But having spoke to, to Max Jacobos, the fan, and Rafa Honigstein, the journalist, the other day, both of their things about buying the season was that they're very strange in, in the way they execute their game plans. And one of the things is that they can quite quickly go out the window. In, in sort of favour of attacking and then all of a sudden their defence is all over the place so I think going, in, going into this game I could see a situation where if they're trying to keep it tight till 60 their game plan's going to eventually go out the window Watching it back
1: Dan, I was struck with its similarities to the early part of the Roma game um, in that Roma, we forget when they came to Anfield, they had 20 minutes where if you supported Roma you'd feel like we're doing alright here mm-hmm. we're doing alright here and then suddenly Liverpool happened to them. I do wonder whether or not between Manchester City, Roma and and Paris Saint Germain earlier this season. If we're going to be what the next two years ultimately of maybe Champions League football at Anfield is going to be spent with a lot of sides desperate not to concede the first goal because of what then happens until Liverpool get the seconds, that there's so much proof of that, so much evidence of it, you know you've got there's a lot, I think the Paris Saint-Germain one's almost the defining one where Liverpool just penned them in and I I think the risk-reward of Anfield, coming to Anfield and trying to make it 1-0 is almost out of whack with traditional football now because it does feel as though one can just become two so fast The
2: risk-reward thing is interesting um, in the context of the early part of the match but also the end of the match I think because I felt like from sort of 60 minutes onwards that it just wasn't really happening for us. I just mm. didn't feel like we were going to score. Nothing beyond that, because we were still making chances. We still had lively players up front, but it just didn't feel like it was going to happen. There was a, was a
3: lot of miss passes and miss hits. And just a mistakes.
2: lot of the efforts just felt slightly full on. And The ball would roll out. They'd waste a bit of time. We didn't seem in a hurry to get it back. The atmosphere quietened down a little bit. It just felt like there was a bit of an air of resignation about the place. And I was therefore surprised that at no point did they think... Especially when they bring in players like Ribery on in terms of the calibre of him, but also the style of player that he is. At no point did they think, let's just try and get one. Mm. Because although 0-0 is good, if we went away with a 1-0 win from here with the away goal, Mm. we're flying. But what they seemed to to believe more than anything was that, okay, if we try and get that 1-0... It's more likely that we can see it as well. So rather than take that risk, mm-hmm. let's just make sure we get out with what we've got. We've got home advantage in the next one. We're confident we can beat them there. I understand that way of looking at it. I think that I think if that was my team, I'd be a bit disappointed. Like if if the roles were reversed and the first leg was in the Alliance and Liverpool were playing in the way that Bayern were and everything was the other way around, I would have been disappointed if in that final 10-15 minutes if we were bringing on attack players, and they had no attacking output other than holding the ball basically. Um, the early part of the game, yeah, I understand that more because I was I was thinking in the ground, actually, if that one way man is on the swivel and it sort of rebounds to him, and you can forgive him the miss because mm, he's at a yeah. bad angle and he's fallen over, but if that just rolls into the corner, what happens afterwards? Because suddenly they've got to get Hamas Rodriguez within 10 yards of Lewandowski, and they've got to push Alcantara f- further up to try and get back into the game in some way and maybe it just goes two, maybe it goes three. Maybe they get the equaliser in contrast to that, but I think the fact that they sort of got to 60 like that kind of made their minds up for them. And and Kovac is able to say to them, and justifiably say to them, we stick with this, we take this, this is what we came for, and we can do them at home.
3: Yeah, and quite justifiably in a way, it's obviously very dissatisfying for fans of either team to think that their, their strategy is nil nil because you know that's low risk and there's you know potential for low reward but actually this is only halfway through but you can see how um you can see how they were Trying to work out how to control Liverpool, and at times succeeded, and like that, that was what they'd really come to do, rather than, rather than going for that maximalist approach of saying like, let's actually try and break out here and get goals. Because if they had done that, that would have, that would have given us the opportunity. I mean, yeah, in, no fan is ever going to want to be in that situation where you think, oh, our team are playing for nil nil here, but you can totally understand why they do it, and you can understand from the point of view of. Liverpool as well that we're you know we've got a lot of games coming up and you know you're in these situations actually that they're managing risk as well you know they're managing the. I think we were unlucky I think if we'd scored in any of the many chances we'd got in the first half it would have been a different game but once it does get to the second half of the second half and it's nil-nil you can totally see why it then becomes right now we've really got to minimise these mistakes because we can't let this go here
1: I think there's an enormous amount of fairness in what Alison and Dan have both said there Josh but I think there is a flip side where next game Van Dyke's back hopefully Lovren may be back as well not that um, I thought Fabinho and Matip were both absolutely fine okay. on the night but hopefully uh, Lovren's back and I, that, that's the bit where I am still sort of a little bit surprised. I completely get the rational arguments and maybe that's the the decision that Bayern have made is that we're just going to go with pure rationality but there is, there was a thing there where you have got one of the best penalty box strikers in Europe and you're not using him in the penalty box.
4: Yeah, it's, it's it's. I think it's definitely going to be a sort of interesting dynamic seeing seeing uh, seeing Van Dyke come back in, and particularly bringing F- Fabinho back into midfield as well. Because I think that was probably one of the things we were missing in this game was just that sort of that bit of impetus to sort of to spring something. It was it was interesting late on from being in the ground where it felt sort of quite typically Champions League first leg was that the mentality of the fans is always that you want your team to throw the kitchen sink at it and, and get away from there with a win. But Liverpool seemed quite happy to sort of. Almost managed their way towards the end of the game in a way where they were trying to get the goal, but they weren't sort of killing themselves to get it. They weren't, they weren't throwing everything at it. And when the board goes up for for four added minutes, I remember my my dad sort of turned to me and think thinking it'd be loads more for one because why would you think anything else? But also there wasn't that sort of raw man feel like we are yeah. going to get this. It was a bit like Dan said before that. It just it felt like maybe we weren't quite going to get it, but that was all right because you know we're we're all going to be very confident going there. to the Allianz with with our improved team, would It would be interesting to see how they react to that as well.
1: Uh, first half, um, in the first half, Kite excellent. Liverpool's midfield was a common force in the game, down after the first 15 minutes or so, I think Kite up until say the hour mark was was, was terrific. Uh, then looked tired a little bit. Henderson's whole performance was 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 excellent.
2: Yeah I agree with that Henderson was the best player on the pitch I think and Kaita was the one in the first period who was driving us forward um, Henderson was doing a lot of the pressing and nicking the ball back um, and kind of rallying those around him to push higher up the pitch I think because there were, there were loads of times where I noticed that Lewandowski was their furthest man forward and he was only just about inside our half or sometimes he was in his own half and I think Henderson did a lot of telling his fullbacks to get forward and it was understandable that they were worried about Coman and Gnabry and maybe Hamers drifting one side and whatever but I think he did a lot of like actual tangible leadership things um, in terms of not guiding them through the game in terms of shouting at them and telling them what to do but Leading with his performance and his energy and his intensity that kind of dragged them up a little bit. It'd be really
3: interesting to, I haven't seen any stats on distance run, but I bet Henderson Mm -hmm. ran the most. most
2: Mm -hmm. Um, And Keita was the one that, that looked to, when we recovered the ball, take us forward. And what was frustrating about his performance is that he was winning the ball back really well, he did quite a few ball recoveries, he was driving at them really well and then his final action wasn't quite there. So whether it was the last turn that he needed to do he wasn't quite sharp enough or sometimes he'd over hit or under hit a pass and I think what was happening with him was that when he was playing on instinct he was doing the right thing so when the ball's there to be won he's winning it or when he picks the ball up in a tight space and he's got a wriggle between two men he was doing it and then he was looking up and then he has maybe this one second two seconds to think and he'd maybe delay the pass a little bit when it should have been slightly quicker sometimes or,
4: it over carries it a bit doesn't it it's not yeah. quite Emre Chan's chewing it but he, but he's, he's sometimes running with it and gets a bit into like a It's a, yeah um, sometimes
2: you can see that he sees the passes yeah. on but he just wants to take the Another one second. the one more touch to to make sure that yeah. he can definitely release him and by that time Joshua Kimmich has come back and cut the passing lane off or whatever and that's the kind of thing that will come with time and will come with rhythm of playing with the players around you yeah, it was just it was frustrating that he did play so well and it felt like he could be a difference maker in the game and then it would get to those final parts of his playing it wasn't quite there and um, it's perfectly understandable as well because you're playing against first of all a really talented football team that was defending excellently and secondly their midfield was so much deeper than ours so does our midfield was front foot, theirs was entirely back foot so Thiago Alcantara is an incredibly talented footballer technically brilliant he's a number 10 in theory and he plays on top of his centre half in this mm. game because Nico Kovac says you're not going past halfway. The because if posi- we get caught we're done for the average positions post match of Thiago yeah. and Javi Martin, Martin as well it was actually how close they were some people have told me that they played a similar game to the way that Man City came and played against us I actually think that the way that their centre-halves and centre-mids played it was actually a bit similar of the way that Man United have come and played in Anfield in that they have two centre-halves. Under Mourinho? Yes, exactly, and I'm, I'm not criticising them for that because it worked for them, they got a result. But they came at two centre-halves and then two centre-mids on top of them. So there's no way through the middle for Liverpool. So that's why when Josh was saying before Alexander-Arnold and Robertson end up just sort of punting balls into the box and hoping for the best because there's simply too many men through the middle. So is getting to that stage and yeah, the balls weren't good enough, the turns weren't good enough by the end, but he's getting blocked off by a load of really, really good footballers as well whose job was literally to do that. They were so worried about Naby Keita, they were so worried about Henderson and Manaldum that they were telling two of their most talented footballers, two of their potential game changers, you stop them, don't think about anything else, don't even try and get near James Rodriguez, let him do his own thing and try and do some magic, you just do this job for me. Um, You looking forward to the second leg?
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, because there's no like... Uh, have a minimal strategy where you just try and uh, protect from risk in the second leg right everyone's now got to come out and fight for it so that's exciting
4: you looking forward to the second leg absolutely I think Ali's right in that Liverpool would almost be better and there'll be a few of these games coming towards the end of the season I think where Liverpool will be better almost operating in, in the eye of a storm in this game where like like you say before they sort of get their one goal and they, and they just completely sweep buying up and I can see a scenario in which that happens which excites me.
2: David Alaba and probably Rafinha are right back and not playing another 90 minutes where they don't go past halfway and Lewandowski is not playing another game where he's the only man within 30 yards of himself and James isn't going to accept playing a bit of a dog's midfield role on his own chasing shadows they're going to have to by, by their own sort of pride as footballers play more they're going to have to attack more and that leaves more space for Liverpool that means more opportunity to play on the break I think playing this tie away from home in the second leg suits us a lot more than having done it the other way around to be honest
3: and hopefully we end up with it we also end up with a more secure assured defence mm-hmm. not that I mean I think you're right Neil there wasn't there wasn't a huge defensive issue um, uh, the other night but we end up with a more secure assured defence which means that you know the focus is all on up front and yeah in the knowledge that they they can't play so deep so that that gives us more space
1: OK it is the weekend uh, coming up very soon you've got Rory Smith then you've got John Gibbons at Red Neighbours chatting to footballers you know he loves it and we're going to be talking about Manchester United uh, don't go anywhere joined by Rory Smith to chat about Bayern Munich and the notion of decline in a football team I Rory read your piece in the New York Times really good as people would expect Um but it, it does make the point that football teams that are in decline are not, therefore, rubbish. And there was a, around the time the draw was made against Bayern Munich, there was this idea that Liverpool were going to stomp all over them. Even in the run-up to the game, you know, I, I did, a, lot of, I did I, I had a couple of conversations and people were almost acting like, yeah, these clowns. And you're thinking to yourself, no, 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 these, these are not clowns. These are footballers who know exactly, exactly how to get into the Champions League semi-finals. That's what they do. They're not going to forget that overnight.
5: Uh, you can, it's all right to say you've done, a, you, you did a bit of media in the build-ups of the game, Neil. That's fine. You, you don't have to pretend there were conversations. It's fine. You, you were on telly. You're famous. It's, it's fine. The um, yeah, no. I, what what really struck me? It sounds, sounds like a weird thing, but when when the Bayern team came out and you went down the list. Yeah, the, the place, lads. You, you you were just struck by oh yeah, hang on, this is Bayern Munich. I, I got this real sense of oh yeah, that is a team of obviously Bundesliga champions, but World Cup winners, it's a team of European champions, there's still quite a lot there, players who've been in all but two of the last ten Champions League fi- semi-finals, which is extraordinary. It's an, in- it's an insane record. And it 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 just really struck me sitting in the stands at Anfield and, and looking at that team and thinking everything I've heard about Bayern Munich this season, everything I think I know about Bayern Munich this season is that this is a club that's on the turn, where, where the, the key players are too old, where there's a lack of kind of direction from the top, where the coach is maybe not not all that not not at that elite level. That this is this is a shadow of 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 what Bayern was even two or three years ago. And then he looked at the team and he thought, oh yeah, they're still really good. And that was what kind of that was the, the ultimately you know, we're all on, we're all on deadline and you, you you make the best of what you've got. And that was the that was the thought that I kind of watched the game through the, the lens that I, I watched it through. And as you saw kind of like Hummels and Thiago and Javi Martinez just sort of strolling about, looking perfectly comfortable in that environment, Neuer playing those risky passes at the back with that swagger that he does everything, even when he's clearly making the wrong choice, he's still swaggering as he does it. And you just think, well, yeah, this is a team that, as you say, that knows exactly what it's doing. And it just made me think about kind of the, the reality of of what a sort of... A decline in in the in the larger sense, in the macro senses, and all of that stuff is true about Bayern. none of it's none of it's wrong. They accept it internally they're they're going to take measures to combat it over the summer. they're going to sign sort of four or five much younger players and try to try to build a new squad, and that's exactly what they should do. but in the in the in the immediate term in in the micro, what you still have is a is an extremely good football team, and I think we lose that one because we think so much about peak and players passing their peak and teams passing their peak and we think so much about the immediate and the momentary that we lose the fact that you can decline over three, four, five years and at the end of it still be pretty good, to be honest and you, you don't become bad just because you're not what you used to be, especially when you've hit the heights of a team like Bayern and I think like you say, that was maybe underplayed when the draw was made and in the build-up to the game, not just in England, but in Germany as well, because a lot of the German papers had it as um, as Liverpool being favourites, a lot of the pundits, the former players, were of the view that Bayern had a real problem, that this Liverpool team were going to sort of surge, surge against them and Bayern would be powerless to resist. And as it turned out, they're far too good for that.
1: It made me think, your piece, and then sort of pulling that in around the game, it made me really think, and it's 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 an odd comparison because this is a game that was a nil-nil and the game I'm about to cite is a 5-4, but it made me really think of Leeds United 4, Liverpool 5 from 1991, when Liverpool race into a 4-0 lead and then still find themselves, because they are vulnerable, they find themselves only winning the game 5-4 in the end against a lead side that are the following season going to go on and be champions um, and it really made me think of the, that we, we've we watched Liverpool supporters have watched the team be in decline, we've watched more than one in the last sort 20-30 of years but the, the really good example is that Liverpool side that goes from winning the league 87-88 with absolute aplomb, a terrific season 89-90 and then sort of in 2-3 years going off a cliff but it was still capable of going to Ellen Road and going 4-0 up and that is I think yeah. that's the thing that gets forgotten that you you can you can not be as good as you were two years ago and still be able to beat the third fourth fifth best side in your league on any given day
5: exactly yeah or in Bayern's case you can be not not quite as good as the team that should probably have got to the Champions League final I think three years two, two or three years ago and and yet still be able to to basically control the game for large parts against the team that is joint top of the Premier League and you know got to the Champions League final last year. I think yeah, the Liverpool comparison with the late with the late 80s is really good. And obviously there is there is the Hillsborough factor in there, which fundamentally altered the psychology of the club uh, and the man and, and led to the manager leaving, which led to the 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 break up of that team or the break up of the of, of that kind of whole whole era really. But yeah the, the the parallel is the same my memory maybe isn't as sharp as yours, but I would have said that the 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 eighty nine ninety team that won the title wasn't a patch on the eighty seven eighty eight team that won the title yeah and and should have done the double but that's that's the way declines work they're not linear it's not that you 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 hit the peak and then drop off, which is how we think of it either either off a cliff or down a a, a sort of pure gradient It doesn't work like that you can you can decline and then come up a bit again you can you can have a kick back against the decline you can have what someone more poetic than me would describe as the rage against the dying of the light and that that happens a lot Manchester United did that on more than one occasion because obviously Ferguson had several teams that declined and they would often come back to maybe not the the level that they were but they would suddenly they would stop it and, and fight back against it and that is particularly true I think in knockout competitions where you you rely so much on savviness and knowledge and experience as much as ability
1: that you mentioned the knockout competition aspect of it there that was uh, i I think the thing that was overlooked (laughs) in general was this is this is a side that's made that basically is is talk of residents and champions league semi-finals the the one thing that i think would surprise and maybe when you talk about decline the idea that you begin to know your own weaknesses slash issues um is one where i was very surprised uh, Bayern's entire second half approach, but also then increasingly sort of surprised. Certainly, as we get to last twenty, last twenty five, they don't commit to the uh, to the idea of listen. This becomes a great night if we get an away goal. Instead, they do very much say this is the thing we're doing tonight, and we're just going to keep doing it until we get proven otherwise.
5: Yeah, and I think speaking to people who kind of know Bayern better than I do, uh, part of that might be to to do with the, just the limitations within the the. the the setup that Kovac has, the way he plays, which is with a with two very wide winners, one quite static centre forward, obviously a very good static centre forward, but nonetheless static, and then three kind of passing midfielders, midfielders left over either directly or indirectly from the kind of Guardiola era Bayern, and it, it doesn't quite match up the way they attack. That's not a team that's particularly built to counter. Gnabry and Coman are very quick but there's not a vast amount of pacey support from midfield. to not being there was important, I think. Um, and Lewandowski's not really a counter-attacking striker. He's a back-to-goal striker. Um, and I think that is a that is a problem they struggle to overcome. Um, I think you're right, though, about an acceptance of limitations. I wonder whether Bayern... They looked to me like they played with a lot of composure and they weren't fazed by the by the situation, not just the kind of what I described as occasionally overblown sort of myth of Anfield. But the, the fact it was a last-16 game, the fact that they weren't necessarily favourites, the fact they've not been in great form, and the fact that defensively they've been quite bad recently, particularly domestically, <coughs> none, of, sorry, none of that seemed to bother them particularly. But at the same time, they didn't have that, that obvious faith that they could go and win. It seemed to be that there there was a much more containment. That was their ambition, was we've got to contain Liverpool. 0-0 is fine for us. There would have been an acceptance for Bayern that 0-0, strictly speaking, is always a better result for the home team than the away team in a first leg because it means that the the team that then becomes the away team has 90 minutes where everything they do counts double, which is is an advantage, albeit one that you have to do away from home. But Bayern seem to accept that Liverpool are dangerous to us where we are weak and therefore it is more important for us not to show our weaknesses than to try to exploit our strengths. And that is probably a, a psychology that only comes into a team like Bayern when they are over that point where they are at their absolute best. There's
1: the next part of this, there's something in in this second leg where I think there's, there's a general perception, well, it's going to have to be different. And the more you think about the psychology around being a declining force whilst still being really rather good at football, there's... I I sort of dispute that logic, to be quite honest with you. That it may well suit Bayern and certainly suit the 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 press. Bayern we're getting before it to almost turn it into a toss of a coin. And by that I don't mean well play end to end football. What I mean is, you know, I I I I think we're all saying and thinking to ourselves, Bayern are going to have to come out. They're going to have to force the issue. It really wouldn't surprise me if Bayern Munich decide that they'd quite like to decide the game between seventy and ninety uh, when Liverpool go to Munich. Yeah, I don't I don't
5: buy this idea that it that the, 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 the the second leg falls into Liverpool's lap because Bayern will have to come out and attack and that will leave space open for, for Liverpool on the counter and that theoretically Liverpool are better against teams that pass the ball against them and, um, and leave space open. Partly because that is true but it's not true against teams that are as good at football as Bayern Munich because for the pressing and counter to work you need them to make mistakes and Bayern's players are so good they don't make that many mistakes and that is where pressing kind of has its flaw. But particularly because Bayern don't have to attack. Bayern can say, right, we're not going to let them score. We will stay. We will stay tight. We'll stay solid, and we will see if we can score. And if that goal arrives in the 75th minute, or the 85th minute, or the 95th minute, we don't care. We just need one. I think there is an acceptance among Bayern, and it's a, gr- a great compliment to Liverpool. Really, that these two teams are relatively evenly matched. That there's not a big chasm between Bayern Munich and Liverpool. That Liverpool can hurt Bayern and Bayern can hurt Liverpool. So they are they are canny. They are experienced. They're quite old, and that brings with it a wisdom, I think, which says we only need to score one goal. You you only need to score one goal. So what we're going to do is we're not going to let you score that goal, and we'll score our goal and we'll win.
1: Indeed, I think I I, I really I'm surprised. I'm. It is. It, Strange to watch in that you very, you very really get to see it in quite this way. I think you know. I think that, for instance, Madrid have been have found themselves, you know, being both dominant whilst not being particularly impressive, and they've made their peace with it. And I sort of think that, that that's what that, that's what Munich have done. Munich have made their peace with who they are now, while simultaneously, as you say, in the back in the background, trying to trying to fix it.
5: Well, then the, the other thing that's really important in the, in the context of the Champions League, less in terms of the Bundesliga from Bayern's point of view is that if you go back through the last, I would say, seven or eight years, I'm not sure a single team that relies on a system over kind of individual knowledge and class and quality and all that, all that stuff has won it. This is a competition that's def- defined now by the teams with the greatest overall level of individual talent and the teams with the greatest overall level of experience of either winning it or winning stuff generally because none of the Real Real teams have won it for the last five years have been playing kind of a system there's there's no system to what Real Madrid do there's just kind of right here's 11 good players go and win a football match and Real accept that I think even the Barcelona team that won it in 2015 with Messi, Suarez and Neymar that was a Luis Enrique Barcelona it wasn't a, a Guardiola or a Tito Villanova Barcelona it was a a much more kind of individualistic. Let's we'll build a platform for the individuals to thrive, but that the, it wasn't the kind of the pure Guardiola system of 2009, 2011. You can make a case for the same thing about Bayern in 2013. Chelsea, obviously, 2012 was a, was a was a strange event, but one defined by individual characteristics. Yeah, which means you've got to go back to Guardiola's last win in, in two, 2011 as the last t- time a team that was built to be something other than just good at football with some good football players and lots of knowledge. It's so the last time a team like that won the Champions League, which says a lot, I think, about what the Champions League has become because it, it has become such a closed shop. that The, def- the defining factor now is, is how good you are at being in that closed shop and how much experience you have of that closed shop, which is why teams can get to the final. Liverpool last year, Juventus to an extent, Atletico Madrid – but when it gets to the at some point or another especially at the, the absolute end what makes a difference is is how well you know that that kind of platform that stage and the same that's why the same teams are there year on year on year on year on year um, and Bayern have that in abundance and still have that in abundance so although I think this is not the great Bayern team of three or four five years ago it's not a Bayern team that's perfect it is a Bayern team that needs work it's very much a Bayern team that knows what it's doing and that in the Champions League is an incredibly important trait
1: Thank you very much to Rory. Uh, John was at the Red Neighbours event this morning.
5: It's John
6: Gibbons from the Anfield Rap and I'm at Anfield which is always nice to come on and on match. So nice to be invited down uh, by the LFC Foundation and to come to the Red Neighbours event. We're here at the Breakfast Club which Liverpool have been putting on every day. It's half term here in Liverpool. If you're not from England listening you might not know that, um, that the schools are off and often there can be a difficult time for parents who are obviously working or otherwise and having to look after children and, and think about extra things to kind of do with them or feed them and things like that. So Stuff like this, what Liverpool of doing them, doing a breakfast club and, and helping out families kind of in the area. And Curtis Jones and Rafa Camacho come down as well to lend a bit of a hand. And then if you were serving breakfast or what, boys, or just saying hello.
7: Yeah, no, um, we come in and said hello to to um, the kids. But um we could see that they've had the breakfast, and um, it's always good for um, the kids to be off school and to be able to come into Anfield, and um, it's the home club. and um, to, to cut and cover the players like myself and R- Rafa it's always good and, um, and it was good to put a smile on their faces as well Yeah, I think it was a
6: surprise for them Rafa, I don't know if they were expecting you guys to come down today but a little, little added bonus for these kids who maybe might not have, have seen you guys in the flesh before Yeah, it's always great to like,
7: for the little kids to meet the players and like the for the team that they support and you know to take pictures with them and just see them around it's always a good time for them
6: I mean, you're, you're obviously a local lad, Kurt. Yeah. Um, it's important, isn't it, that the club isn't just a football team that plays on a Saturday, it's part of the community, and events like this just really reinforce that.
7: Nah, definitely. A fit, um, I think our club is definitely what, one of the biggest are doing that. I think um, we, we always make, even make time for the fans because they're the ones that come out and support us and give us the confidence in the game. So I think it's only right that we... Um, Re- repay them in any way that uh, we can. So um, Little things like, like this when the kids are off school may be a bit bored and we um, don't want to just sit just sitting at home. It's always good to um, come over to our field and meet the likes of us and um, to have bre- breakfast like that where, where um, the players and the family eat is um, it's good for them as well.
6: But for when you joined Liverpool was that something that was explained to you that you know it's it's as much about the community and it's as much about the city and, and and giving back as it is you know because you're the representative of, of the Football club and, and events like this was that something that, that you were told about when you joined
7: Yeah since I started here I've always been told that it's more than just playing and training it's all about the fans as well like it's a big they big supporters of the club and we always have to like try. And, them what we can you know when things like this is very good to them as well and we enjoy doing it yeah i'm obviously here that i was first
6: team players did you is that how you feel Both feeling now you're feeling like you're kind of representing not just the, the academy
7: now but the, but the first team yeah definitely um look, look now if i was the same same age as these kids well i'd probably be me sat in the same place <laughs> probably ke- uh, came along and had breakfast myself and would have been taking p- uh, pictures with uh, some of the players so now so now being in the in like the first position of coming down, definitely, if you definitely feel like you're part of the squad and giving back back to um, the community is is always what, and what we always look, look, uh, look to do and we will always continue to do that.
6: Well, I can see how much you meant to the kids, all the stuff you signed and posing for all the pictures. So well into both of you. You're a credit to the football club and uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, both of you. you very much. Now joined by Forbes stuff from the foundation. Uh, Forbes, you've been putting on these events um, throughout this week, uh, these breakfast clubs. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, about why you've decided to, to, to host these in fields?
8: Yeah, so the breakfast clubs is the club's commitment to food poverty as part of the Red Neighbours programme. So um, we've invited local families, 70 families or 70 people per day uh, to come. Um, obviously, we had one yesterday, today and tomorrow. Um, it's just a chance to basically open the doors and try and give some of the families um, a healthy start to the day by having a... Choice of a cold or a hot cooked breakfast and then to go on a stadium tour. So, the way we promote it, it's not just about the breakfast club, it's coming to Anfield, having a mini tour, but ideally spending quality time together.
6: Yeah, because it it, it can be tough for families and things like half terms, can't it? And you don't often kind of think about it. You know, my parents are both teachers, so they were kind of off as well, but for for families who are working or kind of otherwise, and, and it's an extra kind of thing for you know strain on them really. So if any any organisations like Liverpool in the community that can help a bit, I'm sure I'm sure is appreciated.
8: Yeah, definitely. The thing is, you know yourself, and um, when it comes to holiday time, what does it mean? It means money. Yeah. It means people spending money to do stuff. If it's going to trips, days out, whereas coming here at Anfield, the fact that the breakfast clubs are free, it means they can spend a good you know a couple of hours, two hours together, where they can have food, have a drink, spend time together, and don't have to worry about. Is this going to cost me anything? Everything's free. and um, We do a raffle as well, give out some free gifts and prizes. We had, obviously, some special guests today come along. Yesterday, um, Margaret um, Asperol, obviously, she helps us every day, but yesterday she was helping and she was telling us a few stories about what does it mean to spend family time together, which is great. Um, so, yeah, it's just about um, giving families a chance to meet in a safe environment, have some fun together, have a bite to eat, but then um, show that Liverpool's doors are open, really.
6: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the players coming down that's a, kind of a massive boost for
8: everyone yeah. I and mean, it was a little of
6: a surprise for the kids and the fact that they're only kind of young lads themselves but they're signing up and they're taking pictures and yeah. it's great that they come down and do that and in, in what's a very busy period for the football club
8: Yeah, definitely and the thing is we want to be in the uh, business end of the season, don't we? We want to be competing um, in the two biggest competitions um, so the fact that, yeah, there were younger players but they're part of the first team squad and the women's team, they've had um, uh, games coming thick and fast and uh, I know Fran who's with us has got an injury so to be able will give up her time just to come down and say hello to the guys and jump in a photo, sign a few things it just shows that as as a club we are committed to giving back to local people and that's what we're doing today and, and tomorrow Anything else you want to update us on in terms of foundation-wise while you're here? Well <laughs> foundation-wise is slightly different but Red Neighbours um, is the main programme that I'm looking after yep. in the Anfield area um, yeah we've got Different activities coming up, World Book Day. We're doing a big event for World Book Day coming up where obviously we know that uh, boys tend to not read, um, so we're doing a big event with that, so that's something that we can invite yourself along to and uh, see if you're interested in doing that. We've got uh, an author coming in, a caricaturist, who's going to draw the day, how it goes, which will be quite interesting. Um, and then we're just committed to doing our programmes as we do, food banks on a match day, if you're going to Anfield, any home games, please bring along a donation of food um, and help the guys on Anfield Road with a van, uh, and just yeah, keep spreading the word on what the LFC Foundation and Red Neighbours are doing about com- community and helping local people
6: Great, nice to see you, cheers, you, yeah. all the best Thank you
1: I am joined by James Kenwood for the Weekender Quiz. He's got to get 10 questions right. This is brought to you by Football Flash, the app you should be downloading for all your football news needs. Uh, so do get on that if you can. James, have you downloaded Football Flash? No is a valid answer.
9: No, I, I have indeed downloaded Football Flash. I'm um, very impressed by it. I used to just sort of Google News search Liverpool and thought I was capturing everything. But no, Football Flash, there's so much
1: little extra knowledge out there yeah, ex- good. Excellent stuff And an honest, straightforward recommendation uh, Alright then, ten questions, eight of them, right, you'll be flying uh, Liverpool Football Club is said to be worth How much to the area?
9: Oh um, 500 million-ish quid I'm sure I saw
1: it, Well, it's 497, but I'll take 500 million-ish I mean, that's 3 million <laughs> between enough. friends uh, Which defender has come out And said he wants to become a Liverpool legend He was interviewed this week
9: uh, I presume that was Virgil as he's the only one I'm aware of doing an interview I know Lovren loves doing them left right and centre well, so L- I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll
1: go Virgil Virgil is right as he thinks he's a Liverpool legend so he doesn't need to worry <laughs> Liverpool's under 23 beat who 1-0 on Monday night so what was the question Liverpool's under 23s beat which side 1-0 on Monday night it's
9: uh, tough this United
1: it wasn't, it was West Ham, that's a really difficult question um, mm. I didn't know that um, Who is Liverpool's number 20? Oh,
9: Lalana.
1: It is indeed Lalana. 3 out of 4 Which LFC midfielder is on loan to Hertha Berlin and was interviewed this week by Glenn Price? Uh,
9: Marco Grujic
1: It is indeed Marco Grujic, 4 out of 5 Name one of the two Liverpool players who were at the Brits last night
9: Oh, uh, I follow Oxlade Chamberlain on Instagram, so I know he was there. Indeed. Um, That's
1: fine. One of the two. The other one was Sturridge. Who, who Stur- was Sturridge one? was there as Sorry. well.
9: Oh, of course that
1: was uh, Who is playing this weekend's League Cup final? Um, Chelsea
9: are playing City. Chelsea
1: are indeed playing City. Uh, you are on six from seven. Number eight. Uh, who is top of League two?
9: Um... Wimbledon. No, I think they're going down. Crawley. I have no idea. Someone.
1: It is Lincoln City. Uh, Lincoln City. You're going to need to get the next. I have known that one. You should have got. You need to get the next two right. Uh, what was the Schalke Manchester City score on Wednesday night?
9: Very sadly, it was three two to
1: City. And to win the piece of merchandise, what is the what is the Wofford manager's name?
9: Oh my God! Of all the managers who keep changing. Um, Massive pressure. Marco Silva. So, uh, I I can't believe it. I'm going to have to I don't have a clue what the current. Is Javi
1: Garcia? Sounds familiar? It's Javi Gracia, but I'm going to allow Javi Garcia because we're in a good mood. Uh, We've got a fantastic weekend ahead of us. Javi Gracia is the Watford manager. I got a good clawing at that there. I was really impressed with it, James. We will uh, offer, we will box off getting a piece of merchandise over to you. Thank you very much to James. Thank you very much to Football Flash. Do download the app if you haven't already. Uh, And we enjoy doing this quiz, frankly. John, you haven't just been up to Anfield for Red Neighbours you've also been up to Anfield for Levi's I tell you what want we'll us to get you back and forth get your season tickets
6: I know I mean, I'm, I'm flying on the 27 at the moment <laughs> first name terms with the driver um, no yeah I went up to the to the lighthouse a week or so ago and to see what they're up to there and what it is up to there is Levi's as part of their uh, official partnership with Liverpool Football Club um, are doing a music project and it's really exciting and so I went up to have a little look and, and see what they're doing there and, but also to speak to uh Roger from Levi's and also uh, Becky Ayres, who a lot of people will have heard before from, from Sound City and just about the link up and, and what they're doing together and, and this project, which is great about, you know, teaching young people not just music but also kind of how to how to make the most out of your musical talents.
1: There's been l it's been a lot of young people from around the region who've been able in the, from the city who've been able to apply.
6: Yeah, they, they had open applications and chose fifteen uh, young people to to take part. Um yeah but this is just kind of phase one. And what I get into with, with with is that the idea of this studio now stays in, in, in Liverpool and and more importantly, if you're like in in Anfield, it stays there. And so these young people are obviously getting the chance to kind of learn from fantastic people like Lil Carner and, and and the guys in in Liverpool who were kind of leading on the project, but also this is there forever now. And as someone who personally is a huge advocate of of music and, and music being part of the educational system in this country then and it can only be a good thing. It's John Gibbons here for the Anfield Rap, and I'm in the Liverpool Lighthouse in Anfield. Actually, a stone's throw from the ground, uh, just over the road from the cop at the Liverpool Lighthouse. And we're here to talk about the Levi's Music Project, and the Levi's Music Project is here in Liverpool as part of Levi's partnership with Liverpool Football Club. The Music Project is here, and... I'm joined by Rodri Evans from Levi's and Rebecca Ayers from Liverpool Sound City to talk about more about what's been going on here and moving forward to Sound City. So, first of all, let will start with you, Rodri. Uh, this Levi's music project has been all over the world. It's had some amazing artists involved. So, it's kind of a big deal it's here in Liverpool now, I would say. <laughs>
10: Well, yeah, definitely. Well, firstly, thanks for having us. You know, it's it's a great city with a lot of authenticity and music. So in many ways, it was a natural choice in terms of where we went next in the UK. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant to be here. You know, as you say, a stone's throw away from Anfield and, um, a, a real kind of natural choice in terms of our partnership with the football club, um, which is a partnership, you know, is grounded in kind of shared community values. You know, we know that Liverpool have a, of a remit to support and be active in their local community. And, and from what I see, it's something they, they take very seriously. Um, so we uh we're the official denim partner of levi's which is something that every football club that d- doesn't know it needs until it's got it um <laughs> but yeah joke jokes aside it's it's definitely it's definitely more about shared community values you know so levi's music project is something as you say that's that's been all over the world um put very simply it's about providing access to music in communities you know um us as a brand you know we, we've got a, a rich heritage in the music space you know. We've always been been there, you know, whether it's on the stage or off the stage, you know, and um, and then kind of also being a brand that has a really strong set of values and, and a, a championing those values, and I guess championing the pioneer creative spirit. So, um, the music project was something that's born out of, you know, when we were relooking really a few years back about what we do in the music space it seemed like a really obvious thing to put those two things together. So that, so the music itself and the value side of things. Um, so yeah, launched in 2015. Um, first one was over in the States with uh, Alicia Keys. So we went back to her old school in Brooklyn and we built a, a full music suite over there. Um, a few projects in and around the States and then it came over to Europe in, uh, 2016. Um, we did a, the inaugural project in the UK with Skepta. So we took him back to Meridian in Tottenham where he's from. We built a studio there. Um, Um, and he mentored a group of young artists towards um, a big performance at the V&A Museum. Um, And then that's the blueprint, really. You know, it's it's working with an artist to provide an open-access music studio in a community it, it gets launched by one project where the artists will work with a group of young young local artists and they'll work towards um a big celebration moment um they've always got uh some kind of theme that we set them so as you can well you obviously can't see but those of you can't see on, on the wall over there there's a big uh a big music community mural so that's the kind of theme of this project is how you know music can bring communities together i think um and yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a really kind of you know going back to what I said. Liverpool is a natural choice. We we've done them in the UK now in um, as I said, London. We've done Manchester. Um, we've done Birmingham. And then when you look at a, a music powerhouse city, the next obvious choice was was Liverpool. So.
6: I'm mm-hmm. here in Liverpool, uh, Becky, here. Well, obviously, the lights don't have the room, People will know you who've listened before for Cali kind of Sound City, but you're also a champion of Liverpool as a music city, and you're involved now in this this kind of new panel that's been put together to promote Liverpool. The talent here is huge. We know it's huge. We, we kind of see that, but it's all about harnessing that. It's all about giving people opportunities, and giving people opportunities to learn and grow and, and kind of work with e- with each other and learn from each other. So. Stuff like this is, is 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 fantastic, isn't it? Because it allows allows young people to to to, to learn from amazing people like Lyle Carter, who's who's obviously the headline kind of act involved in this. But kind of week by week, um, the guys who were who were are teaching, who were developing, and who are kind of passing on their wisdom.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic thing for Liverpool and for the city. And I think it's a, such an interesting partnership between Levi's and the um, Liverpool Football Club, but also with the local community, because one of the things that struck me originally about the Levi's Music Project was how it's, it, it's about creating um, unity through communities and actually having the opportunity for young people to get involved with music. But also um, it's a very long-term thing and it's a long-term commitment because I actually came to the studio that's in the Lighthouse for the first time last night and I met some of the young people and the studio is amazing and that's going to be here now forever, which is a fantastic thing. So I think it's just, you know, it's a really lucky opportunity and I actually was so overwhelmed last night when I met some of the young people because there's a lot of them that have just been making music themselves on their own for a long time and they're starting to develop and they're starting to create their real kind of persona and their characters. Character and identity and the talent that in, is in the room is absolutely phenomenal so we're really excited because the young people are going to be performing at Sound City. Um, Loyal Khan is our headliner as well and obviously as their mentor he's really invested in them so it's a really brilliant and exciting thing.
6: So I mean a little bit more on this performance at Sound City if if, if, you, if you can and sort of reveal it, obviously the uh, young people are working now, they're working together, but the, the culmination of, of all their work is going to be this kind of performance at Sound City. So what can people, you know, without giving too much away, what can people expect?
0: Well, it's one thing I can actually say at this stage is that Levi's are going to be taking over Constellations, which a lot of people will know in Liverpool is a fantastic venue for music and, and art, and they're really themselves very embracing of the community. So Levi's are actually going to be hosting things in that, venue and there's a lot to be revealed that will come up over the coming months but the young people will be performing um, in constellations and they'll and from judging from what they're doing now I think it's going to be an absolutely spectacular moment so
6: along with everything else that's going on at Sound City which already looks incredible Thank you <laughs> um, The will be doing something in constellations as well we're just kind of work, trying to work out what but you're trying to I mean that weekend Roger you're trying to combine sort of the ideas of, of football and music coming together and just being the idea of those two things being some of the many things of what makes a community kind of so special
10: Yeah I, th- I think you know it's, football's in a really interesting place at the moment where you know it's, it's becoming a real cultural passion point and you can bring music music and you can bring art and you can bring football together there's lots of people doing great things in that space and that's kind of what we want that weekend to be you know we've got the end of this project we, we're going to have a lot of stuff that's a bit more football focused there we're going to have um, obviously performances there's, there's also the learning aspect to what the music project is about but also what Sound City is about as well so in terms of what people can come down and expect is you know to to, to learn to see live master classes to see obviously music performances a little bit of football and a little bit of culture thrown in there as well so um, it's yeah it's, I'm really looking forward to it it's is, this, to...
6: is this the kind of thing thing you do when you tell people like in the book you wait for Levi's they must think you, you kind of flogging jeans yeah. but, but these these projects are you know they must be so much fun I'm really rewarded as well because you get to see the kind of young people coming here maybe a, a kind of a little bit shy at first and yeah. then come out kind of
10: artists really oh, you, well first firstly yeah you know I think um you know, you go to work every day and, you know, th- these are the types of projects that really kind of get the passion going because it, it's, it's more than the pair of jeans and more than clothes, isn't it? It's about, you know, being able to be, um, I guess the ambassador of the brand values of Levi's and actually do things that, you know, we're doing all over the world in lots of different areas. So things like sustainability and things like, uh, pride and the pride movement, music is another way in which we're trying to, I guess, just leave, you know, like sounding too corny, leave the world in a bit, be- bit of a better place than, than we found it, you know, um, and then in terms of what you see from the young people it's this project is more than just music you know they are musicians they're good at music you know as as Becky said you know there's the the talent that comes into this studio is is fantastic and for all of our studios around Europe is, is amazing but what we, what we see is a lot of the young people come out of it and they've, they've grown as people as well, you know, some of them come in, they're not so confident as you say, they, they come out, they've got a new group of best friends for life, you know, they've gone through this project together, obviously all the content and the filming we do and the storytelling kind of gives them a platform and, and yeah, they, they, they really come out a change change group of people and and the project's, as I said, more about um, it's more than about just performance you know, they learn um, a lot about the kind of production side, about the other side of the mic, you know, so how to be, look at more of a brand of you in music and also things like um creative design as well and photography and and so it's the whole spectrum of things around a music artist that they're learning here it's not just how to get up in a mic in front of a mic and and go for it you know I just wish we had it when I was 17 on my not be
6: the, the <laughs> washed up musician you see before us but uh, thanks to the guys for, for welcoming us down it's my second time to the studio and I can't believe how well it's kind of been kitted out and how kind of cool it is here and I'm sure the young people are actually absolutely relishing the kind of the, what they're being able to work with and also you know kind of work on and so yeah it's great that it's here thanks to Levi for coming and also kind of sharing the time with us today we're going to be telling the story of the music project kind of from now uh, up until May at Sound City so making sure you you, you following also kind of on, on the podcast but also we're going to be doing a little bit of video as well and um, you can also on the Levi's website there's a little bit more about the music projects that they've run in the past and also this Liverpool one particularly and loyal his involvement if you are interested in that I'm sure you can find it and, and also buy tickets for sound city obviously because it's gonna be an amazing weekend not just because of the stuff that Levi's are doing but everything else as well so yeah thanks to Audrey and Becky for joining us and that's been John Gibbons for the Anfield VAT
1: Redbet partners of the Anfield rap. Uh, I had a chat to Steve Armstrong for the Redbet podcast. We might be, people might think it's worth listening to, John. When's it out? Uh, I, f- I presume it's today. They haven't had that, but I've been... You know, so it's... It, this is completely separate to Redbet. by the way. Do gamble with them. Um, <laughs> do you know, like, people think including sort of close family at times like think you live on your phone yeah because sometimes you do yeah yeah. yeah. but like there's days like my thursdays you know how many shows there is and inserts and stuff to sort out so i've got literally like i've got no idea what's happening in the world and i've got no (laughs) so this could be out now they and they might have added me in yeah so it could be out now is what i'm saying but i've just got
6: no i've got no wider context whatsoever yeah no i know you mean i get the same and i think i'm just basically on my phone when i shouldn't be yeah i think that's the problem like dinner
1: yeah, no, I think that, that, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> you all I,
6: catch up on some mean Yeah, come go yeah, no, mad I, I Not could, um, I,
1: I could certainly pick my moments better uh, <laughs> In that regard But genuinely so Sometimes, sometimes people will say I tell you, what have you seen the news with X? And it'll be like, yeah. like six hours ago And I'll be know. like, I've got no idea To yeah. be honest with you I know
9: um,
1: I've, You know, I'm completely behind So anyway this Yeah, we had a chat about um, About the Liverpool-Manchester rivalry And the wider bits and pieces And them being like Millwall And us being a bit needy And uh, all that sort of stuff I really enjoyed
6: it yeah no I'll I'll look out for it uh, I look forward to it He's good kind of good valuers and he's good on the, the rivalry um, and he's good on the sort of differences and, and similarities between the kind of two groups really and I think there is stuff that we are kind of similar rather than the stuff that we're, that we're sort of you know yeah. Very different, and the City yeah, they're are... more like
1: to vote Tory
6: <laughs> possibly. I mean, the city's <laughs> a, the city's, a, the city's, a, the city's a so close, you know, there's going to be sorts of some similarities there, but it's but it's an interesting rivalry in that, that there isn't actually that many years where both teams have been really good. Yeah, that was that was something that came through with Joel that it really isn't that many, like, he literally can
1: almost just do charts, and yeah. it's
6: it's mad how much the graph deviates, it yeah, sh- yeah, shouldn't deviate as much as it does. No, no, and especially like in the last 10 years, it's like it's 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 you know, basically. Just just sort of complete opposites. Um you know, both had sort of good periods in the last ten years, just just really kinda of coincided and so and then before that there's there's obviously the the Ferguson Dominance, which which kind of comes on the back of ours. So yeah, uh, looking forward to Sunday. Uh, I think the teams are, are obviously a bit closer than, than the kind of usual. If if, if you like in, in in that regard from what I just said. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to in a way to seeing seeing what they do. I'll be I'll be interested to see kind of how they how they approach it. But I think uh, I think Liverpool will be good on Sunday. Um, in that vein,
1: Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, all to score nineteen to one.
6: I don't think we'll be that lucky. I don't think I mean we might get three, but um but the idea of them spreading it out like that. I think often in a big game as well, it's like it's 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 one it's like a star performance from one of your forwards as well, if that sort of makes sense. It does and indeed. I, and I don't think it's necessarily I don't think you necessarily pick who it is. And I think sometimes it's it's not even kind of you know how well they've played. It's just where the space has come, where where Liverpool have looked to target, uh, where Manchester United maybe have been a bit shaky, and, and where you found joy, you just sort of keep doing it, don't you? And that happened last season. You know, on you know on the other regard, kind of Ashford gets two, doesn't he? Because he's finding joy in that channel, and I think, yeah, I, I would. If you said to me now, we'll get three, I'd think, oh yeah, I can see how that happens, but I'd fancy it was two for someone.
1: Um, in that vein, uh, Mo Salah to score and Liverpool to win two nil, two one, or
6: three one is seven to one. Yeah, that's not bad, is it? Seven to one not bad there at all. I think I saw something in the week we're saying like oh another big game where Mo Salah hasn't turned up, and it's like you know it's Twitter, and you shouldn't get sort of annoyed about these sorts of things because I think half the things people type they don't even necessarily believe themselves, but you think he's, he's you know he's he's been great in, in in so many games for us and i don't know i think i think it's not know, yeah
1: champions league on mate well yeah <laughs> i know
6: yeah uh at home city away um, I, uh, porto away when he literally does keep you ups <laughs> in the six yard box <laughs> so a bit of a bit of a strange one but but he, he struggled just struggled last year there um doesn't often struggle twice in 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 the same kind of environment so uh i'm predicted a big big day for mo
1: I'm very into a big day for mo. I I my my genuine prediction is uh, Liverpool two nothing. Um most both. Okay. Uh, that's what I I think yeah. I think you get you get it's it's a most Salah both and it's very um it's it's very previous decade. One on about 35, one on about 59. Hanging on a bit. But then last ten, everyone just goes, yeah, they've won this. Yeah. Well, that'd be nice. Be a lovely afternoon. Yeah. Can't argue with it. Uh, what else have we got? We have got um Liverpool to score a pen, uh,
6: thirteen to two. Big Olls refereeing. Thirty to two. Thirteen to two. I was gonna say. Um it's a little bit short, I think. A little bit short. A little bit short.
1: And uh what else do we have here? One more I wanted to go through.
6: Um Liverpool to score in both halves, five to two. Well you've just you just painted that picture for me, and it was, and it was, it was, it was pretty. Sistine Chapel. Uh, <laughs> I was going to become constable. Uh, it was a constable. It's more of an English thing, but uh, yeah, I, a five to two is not bad. Uh, I think I think we Mo Salah 7 one of the ones me better the week. Um, that, that, uh, there is isn't an Aldo offer here, which oh, do, do mine then. Uh, so the,
1: the John Gibbons <laughs> better of the week is Mo, is Mo Salah to score On Liverpool to win two nil, two one, or three one against Manchester United. Reds bet are our partners. Uh, do check them out if you are interested in gambling. And if you're not, that's absolutely fine. Not everything is for everybody, but whatever you doing be responsible in your actions. We'll get back on with the weekender. It is the Anfield wrap, it is the weekend, are back in the room Neil Atkinson, I've got Ali McGovern, I've got Dan Austin and Josh Sexton Manchester United versus Liverpool Dan Austin, I love this game, I love when it's fallen the reason why is this, Manchester United versus Liverpool is meant to be a fixture that gets you emotional, I am not emotional about beating Manchester United, I am emotional about winning this league title
2: yeah, it's it's so much bigger. To get these it is. losers, it's so much bigger than what it is as a standard football match. So, like we all went last season, and obviously you want to win the game. It's one of Liverpool's biggest games of the season, and you're in there, and they're singing whatever they're singing, you're singing whatever you're singing, and there's that innate sense of rivalry. Rivalry, no matter where Liverpool are on the table, no matter where they are on the table, but to be able to go there and. Almost no matter what the results as well, be able to laud it a bit. So, for example, we went there last season and we lost, and then we get locked in afterwards, and they're all walking out around you and they're giving it the big one because they've won. And everyone's just singing LA, LA, LA because we know we're doing bits in Europe and they're not anywhere, and we're on the up and they're on the downward curve. And to go into it with that psychology around it is a huge positive, and it means that. You you just look forward to it so much, as I say, like you look forward to that game n- no matter what. Um, especially if you're fortunate enough to go. But the fact that it means so much to us at this point and in logical terms, so little to them really, because I think between now and the end of the season, the other two competitions that are in are probably more of a priority for, for various different reasons. In the
3: you know, can they actually win? Can they <laughs> <we> win anything?
2: <laughs> but I mean, well, they've still got the FA Cup. In theory, they're still in the Champions League, and you know, if they get an early goal, there something could maybe happen. And I'm sure if Solsha either wants that job or just wants to have had something to show for it by the end, he'd rather win a trophy than finish slightly higher in the league or something. So the fact that Liverpool have got something so huge riding on it, and the only thing they've really got riding on it is trying to stop us win the title, is fantastic. Because like the 08-09 game is similar but different in the way that we're trying to win the title, but it's also them trying to win the title. So there's the intensity from both sides. Whereas this one, it's 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 just us basically. they they're, they're going to be up for it in the same way that they would be for any Liverpool game, I'm, but I'm... the main. The main pressure, the main tension, the main practicality of the whole thing is purely on Liverpool. We feel like a huge deal going there, and they will be very aware of that.
3: And from their point of view as well, right? So, uh, if they happen to beat us, then you know that helps their rivals in the city. They
1: start a quadruple attempt.
3: Yeah. So like, so like you can only feel like that. That must be. uh It might have some edge to it in the minds of uh, Man United fans going into this game.
1: Bittersweet across the board. Um, I'm emotional about it with reference to the title. Uh, You know, beat Man United sound, but there's a league title, Josh but the players, what I like is, and I think it's no coincidence, we won there 0 one when we were pushing for the title. We won there 0 8 when we were pushing for the title. We won their 13-14 when we were pushing for the title. For me, I think taking the Old Traffords and the, the need to beat Manchester United out of it actually helps. Those footballers, Liverpool's players, they've got a job to do It's three points. Three points
4: is everything. Absolutely. I was speaking to Dan Morgan earlier today and, and we were sort of talking about how, and he's going to write his, his sort of Friday column on this actually, so I'm sort of giving a bit of a spoiler there, but how this is... Or this a is, preview. Or a preview, yeah. Let's <laughs> call it that. That's a nicer way of saying it. Um, it's, it's almost the last emotional, mental obstacle for Liverpool to overcome this season because maybe the only thing in terms of cluster games that Liverpool have been lacking this season is that away record against the top six. This will be Liverpool's last chance to you know take something from a top six rival at their own place. It'll be the last game which Liverpool, apart from, apart from Everton obviously in terms of the, the emotion which is attached to it, it'll be one of the last emotional games that Liverpool play this season in terms of it's not purely just a job to go out there and win the sort of more attached to it for me. I, I, have to, I have to sort of disagree with you, given my roots and my my friendship roots that I attach myself to. This is this is one of my biggest games of the season.
1: Oh, under normal circumstances, goalie, yeah.
4: but the th- the three points is all that matters. The three points is all that matters, but but I'd, I'd I'd quite like there to be that I quite like there to be that emotion attached to it as well. Because as much I'm in the business of winning titles, I also want to feel like I'm riding the wave of Liverpool winning, a, winning the league title as well. I don't want us to just sort of amble to it as much. as I'd, you know, I'll take any league title you give me. Don't get me wrong.
3: <laughs> however it's done, whatever How, it looks however like. It,
4: however it's done is fine. Yeah. But I'd also like a really passionate run where I remember every every sort of twist and turn along the way. And I think this will just be another one of those. I think I disagree on the players' point though.
2: I think I think a big part of them going there, I don't think they're saying this is just another three points in a title challenge and we just need to get this result. I think I think they're into the emotion of it. I think they're into the story. I think that's what Jürgen Klopp sells them in a way. I think he I think he tells them this weekend. I think he tells them. You're going to go out, you're going to beat Man United, and you're going to be top of the league in a title challenge. This is where not only do you catch back up to City in terms of games played and overtake them again, but you take this massive psychological thing as well. This is where we all win, this is where everything comes together. This is the one, I think he really sells it the to them as something huge here where. Like, it can't get harder than this. If you can do this one, there's no more pressure on you than this. This is the most pressure you will feel on a game between now and the end of the season. The Derby might be the same, the Derby might be equal, but it won't be more. You've already played City. You've got Chelsea and Tottenham to come at home, but they're at home, everyone's on your side. This is the most intense you're going to feel it for 90 minutes between now and the end of the season, revel in it. This is where you make yourselves heroes. This is where they're all going to be there in that away end for up to an hour after full time. Yeah, and you get, you get to go and dance in front of them. I think that's absolutely what he does. If it was me, that's what I'd play on. And, and I think the squad of players that we've got would love that as well. I think that's the way you speak to them. I think trying to pretend or, or suggest to them that it's of equal importance as the Watford game or... It's it's the same as Bournemouth or anything like that. They're too clever. They they know too much about the club. They believe in the club too much to really believe that.
4: And they're going to be walking into a cauldron. You saw all the way United fans were in the Chelsea way in the other night. They're, they're a team now which have completely got their sort of their value that they've got their club back by having Solskjaer exactly. Yeah. They've they've got everything. Everything they loved about Man United is now back, and they've got a manager who also believes in all those things about Man United. And and for, like Dan says, clubs Klopp should be telling his players that. I guarantee you, Solsha will be telling his players that that it's, that it's that it's one of United's sort of remits and. A season is to go and beat Liverpool and all the all the sort of great sides that Solskjaer played for that we should have beaten Liverpool in the season as well. He's going to be drumming that into them, I think.
3: Their fans are certainly uh, resurgent. It's really funny. Like I've got quite a good I've got a good few like close friends who are Man United supporters. Horrible, isn't it? Oh, mate. <laughs> Do you spend, spend a lot of your working life in London. Uh, yes, literally. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but um, you know, and it, it's been it's been I've come to the point where I've like almost wanted to say to them over the past year like. You know, come on, it's not that bad. Like, come on, cheese help up. Mm. And now they are like absolutely on the bounce. Like, you know, eat all the mocking about Sir Alex, you know, being. Behind the scenes and all of that, they don't care. I, I love They're how just, much.
1: Well, I love how much how much they've got into the idea that Ferguson is pulling the strings. They're they made up with so, it. So
3: they? they are so made up with it. So like you try and sort of like take the mickey a bit, but nothing works. They're yeah. just like, yeah, it's great, isn't it?
1: We'll find out if that's true or not. Well, when we see the fixtures for next season, see if they
9: play West Ham <laughs> five times <in> China,
1: <laughs> uh, as used to happen.
2: but um, well, I th- again, I think that's his team talk you know, they've got their own thing to do and they're challenging for the top four and whatever else, but loads of his team talk is, we're trying to stop these fuckers from a elite title and I hate them and you should hate them as well. And there are 70,000 people in this crowd who also hate them and they're going to be really behind you because they want you to stop them. We have to stop them. And I think that's perfectly fine for them. I like. I think that's what it should be. That's that's the nature of it. I'm sure if it was, if it was the other way around, it would be similar for us. Absolutely. So I I I think hang on, hang I on, think hang on. Hi, a hypothetical situation where yeah. Everton are gonna win the league. Oh all right. I, wait, I didn't mean that. I didn't okay. mean exactly Go, what on are right. yeah. <laughs> I mean I'd be supporting them at yeah. that point, frankly. Um, <laughs> I'd have, I'd have, I'd have <laughs> a sharp shirt on. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, Paul Lindsays' number and everything. But I think I think emotion plays a really, really big part in the way both of them approach it. I think I think the the risk rewards element of it, the fact that the 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 stakes are so high. Um, in terms of both clubs' emotional matters, uh, states around the matter is uh, is far too much for them to ignore
1: um, The turnaround on the show the importance of Pogba, that left hand side, there's a lot of markers, games here Josh, but they're all interesting marker games and I don't think you can take you can run with any of them, so for instance the victory they had against Chelsea the other night, well Chelsea uh, have, have just gone to bits and they've, they've got no resilience whatsoever, one bad thing happens and Chelsea are in trouble, so you can't quite take much tactically from that and also he's set up to deal with Chelsea Paris Saint Germain do them, but they do have the two injuries first half, and I think they do, that does impact them and it's allowed. You know, two play, two attacking players going off injured is allowed. Tottenham, will they beat Tottenham? But then the other side of that is De Gea has an absolute worldie of a game, which he could do against us. But my thing is it's actually quite difficult to guess because there isn't a lot of info. How on all they got in
4: Solskjaer Manchester United set up for this one against Liverpool. And you're right in saying that PSG is almost the, the, the biggest sort of the biggest indicator of that, but it's but it's the one game they've they've sort of lost throughout this run. The the one thing about the Tottenham game is that while De Gea had a worldly Tottenham's finishing was also world. Tot- Tottenham really weren't great in that game, and there's been sort of much made of it of how United clung on. But it was almost the most comfortable you can be while clinging on and having a world-class goalkeeper who makes 11 saves or whatever ridiculous amount. It ended on, so yeah, they're 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 still a bit of a strange team. United they still look like they could go to bits of the back if if you can if you can really get at them. And I suppose that's one of the, one of the issues Liverpool's had down the years at Old Trafford, particularly since Salah's sort of been here last, last season. In both the games against United, I suppose Ashley Young dealt with him really well. It'd be interesting to see the way they set up with that this time because obviously Luke Shaw has been starting for yeah. him at left back so it be interesting to see whether they decide to sort of play young again or, or whether Luke Shaw comes in at left back
1: As we're having this chat Alison the suggestion is that Lingard and Martial will both not be able to start um, I think Lingard will be a massive miss for them
3: Yeah I think so um, he, he's he been really good I mean just coming back to Ashley Young um, I think he he's, he is a a really good player. Um, I think psychologically he's been quite influential for them as well. So um, I think, well, I think I think I'd be tempted to to go there. Um, but yeah, I I think that Lingard's obviously. I mean, it's funny with with United generally because the quality was always there. It's all it's clearly all psychological for them, but you can't deny that. Lingard's a great player does that does it give us a particular advantage I would say possibly not because they've got replacements ready to come in so I think you know they are going to be set up to try and contain us and they have got the skills to do it but in the end we've got to shade it
1: They've got the explosiveness That's the one thing I'd say But that's why I think I'm, I'm quite pleased Lingard's not playing He's been nicking it and back And Martial well as done. well And Martial They've been nicking it back yeah. And exploding quite quickly That's why I am I am actually I think Lingard's clever And I think Martial's very very quick And can obviously finish We've seen that in the past uh, But they still will have Other players who have That sort of That sort of pace and power Lukaku even in the last few games Much derided But coming in from wide areas Has, has looked back to Is Everton best I'd argue A slightly different player To the way United were trying to use him We're going to have to put up with, I think, a lot of pressure and maybe a lot of early pressure and a lot of them trying to explode.
2: Yeah, um, I expect them to play quite openly because uh, they're capable of doing the containing thing. But I think it does a lot of damage to him and what he's trying to sell to them to do that. Um, And also, we have to remember, he's trying to get the job, essentially. And If he contains Liverpool and gets a draw against them, I don't entirely think that helps from a psychological perspective of him trying to convince that board I think he's almost from his own point of view better off getting beat 1-0 2-1 or something but haven't had a real go and played quite well and played in attack on football and
3: this is back to your point of like actually league position doesn't really matter in this situation but they've got
2: different things going on than just literally where to be finishing this league the league league is not something that that they're riding on at this point so I I think it's more important for them to stylistically maintain something and that's why I'm really happy that Martial and Lingard are listening because although Lukaku's quick Sanchez is quick I think the front three whatever front three ends up playing at the weekend loses a bit of the coherence that it's had since he came in basically because what he's done done is he hasn't picked the biggest names on the team sheet. he hasn't even picked probably who are technically his best footballers although they're all really good if he's literally picking who are technically the three best footballers that I've got that I can play up front there's an argument that he might go Sanchez, Mata and Lukaku in terms of literally who are the best actual footballers but he's done the exact opposite because the other three stylistically all make sense together they've all got things in common they all work well together and not One of them thinks that they're the main man. Not one of them sort of demands everything that goes up front. They've all worked really well with each other. And I think the fact that... And with Pogba. And with Pogba as well. I think it sort of allows Pogba to be the one without him being an attacking player, if that makes sense. But when you suddenly have to have Pogba, Lukaku and Sanchez all sort of wanting to do similar things, not necessarily in terms of areas of the pitch, but wanting to have the same amount of effect on the game, the same level of influence, be that main fella... Then it's harder to do and as much as as much as you know Lukaku has played well in his last few games and stuff i still consider him less of a threat than the others over the course of the season over the course of his past couple of seasons since he's been there he's done less well than the others so although they're but going to bring in he's, really he's,
3: he's so experienced i mean I, t- I take your point but we're talking i mean i think he probably is still what you'd call a world-class player
2: I don't think I'd call him world-class. He's still one of the best forwards in the Premier League. I don't dispute that. He can definitely hurt Liverpool because he's a really, really good footballer. But in terms of who I'd rather face on the weekend, I'd rather him and Sanchez were playing than, than Martial and Lingard because Martial
1: and Lingard have done it on a regular basis more recently in that system. Pick me a Liverpool team uh, or let me pick you a Liverpool team. Uh, Alisson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, Andy Robertson, uh, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, uh, Mo Salah. Um, who plays centre-half next to van Dijk?
4: Josh? Uh, I think you go to Matip Matip I, it, Fabinho
3: I don't know, I think probably I think probably Matip um, I think that because his form looks so much better and if that's a thing then let's go with that thing
2: Why Fabinho? Um, I thought both of them played really well the other night Matip had a few mad moments Fabinho had no mad moments he was just completely competent throughout and I just generally want Fabinho on the pitch He's just a really good footballer and I want him on the pitch as much as possible and I'm not putting him
1: in my midfield So, so. You're, well, your midfield then uh, Pick three from Henderson, Fabinho, Keita, Ronaldo, Milner You can't pick Fabinho No, nope. so who are, you, who are your three? I'm going
2: with the same three as played by. I'm going Henderson, Ronaldo, and Keita
4: Josh? I'm going the Bournemouth one I thought That's the most balanced version of, of, of a Liverpool midfield you can get So you would drop Jordan Henderson? Yes, I would. Which which seems harsh, to be fair. But I think okay. I think I think if there's there's a certain point in the game where Jordan Henderson can come into it and you can maybe bring Shaqiri in, you switch to the two, and then, Alisson.
3: I'm going Henderson and Fabinho, but I'm agnostic about my balance on the other side. I
1: to the third one would be. Yeah. Uh, okay. What uh, would you do now? Uh, I am probably if it was so this is the difficulty the difficulty is that if it's the FA Cup final the Champions League final I'm probably going with what you're saying Dan Yeah. in that uh, if it's the last game of the season I think you cannot afford to necessarily chop Joel Matip off at the knees because you may well need him between now and the end of the season and it would feel like a bit of a vote of no confidence to say he doesn't get to play this one and a lad not just another centre-half but a lad who isn't you know okay. who, who isn't a recognised centre-half comes in ahead of him and I think there's something else as well which is maybe which side of the pitch everyone operates on so I'm, I am know I end up sort of sounding like I'm sitting on the fence a bit here but I would probably err on the side of go with Matip in this one I like Henderson and Fabinho in that I think it's got a lot of solid lads uh, who are going to do sensible things and I like um, and I'd then put Wijnaldum in with them because it gives me mm. subs I've got Kaita, I've got Shaqiri I've got Origi I've got Milner and I've got Sturridge and I quite like that bench because it's got me a little bit of everything I'd like one more obviously i like Team Werner mm-hmm. but th- I can't pick any plays for someone else
4: Do <laughs> so. you think a Henderson fitness thing though like, like we were saying there he's, he's probably run the most distance and in the game the night plays the 490 uh, It's Tuesday to Sunday mm. and I I
1: I also think if Henderson plays the way in which he plays the other night, I think Henderson's, you know, I think he's led by example in terms of the rotation thing. Where you know we where where he's not he's not been you know quite as regular. He is the captain. I think that helps the manager. But I think if we all say he's man of the match against Bayern, and then say, but by the way, Man United away. nah, yeah, it doesn't uh, feel it feels uh, moody. Sure <laughs> yeah, Josh your prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> <laughs> but like, if he's fit, he's fit, right? Yeah, I
1: suppose. I mean, I think I think the, the, the Henderson thing is that if you're not careful, you end up saying, well, I want him to play against Bayern. And then I wanted to play against uh, United. Then I wanted to play against Watford. Then I wanted to play against Everton. And then you, you can—that is a thing. You can pick, yeah, corner, can't you? You can pick yeah. and pick and pick and pick. Yeah. But I—I I just sort of want—I want, like, I, if I could find a way to get James Miller on the pitch, I'd have Miller on the pitch. I'd like all my recognised grown-ups, please. <laughs> so I'll have I'll have Van Dyke Henderson and Fabinho. Uh, in the, the idea of Van Dyke Henderson and Fabinho, and I think you also get Fabinho to play at the right-hand side of that too, and go very, very close to where Pogba's going to want to do his business, and basically say to him, "Your job is." To ensure that he doesn't happen In any significant way Is that what we think he'll do? What do we think he'll do? Uh, I, I what,
3: the, th- the kind of meta second order question yeah. of?
1: I don't know what I think he's really hard to predict I, I think
2: he might do Milner, Moralden Moran- and Henderson In midfield I think he might I think he really wants Milner to play this Which is partly why Milner doesn't play Tuesday.
4: I've got a Wenaldum on the left hand side position, by the way, where where I've sort of, it's in the back of my mind, probably since the Bayern game, where that cater role, which he's been playing in the 4 2 3 1, I could sort of see Wenaldum doing it because he did it for Newcastle. And the way he played against Bournemouth, he sort of showed up, them attributes are still there a bit. I could see that happening. It's interesting. <laughs> he,
2: he, he brings Milner in even though he's blatantly not fit for City away, just because he wants to have James Milner on the pitch. Yeah, and he does low to that. and I think he'll just put him somewhere. I think he'll. I think he will make James Milner space. That's so. I don't. But Milner
3: isn't fit. I mean.
1: He wasn't fit for that City game and he still played him. Uh. but I think he didn't start Fabinho in that City game and he might regret that mm, in hindsight maybe, yeah. uh, and certainly the way Fabinho came on, mm-hmm. so I do wonder whether or not, you know, the, the ebb and flow of this, but he's got options, I mean it's dead interesting he's got options in midfield, I'm reading loads of bits at the minute, this is a massive segue and the people who are here probably want to go on and do other things, um, the, there's a, there's loads of things at the minute about him having to sort of settle on teams, like what is best 11 I've noticed there's been a couple of pieces written around that and the team I always compare Klopp's Liverpool to last couple of years of United 07-08 so to that United when they get rid of Van Nistelrooy and they go Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez up top some combination of those three tend to play the three of them tend to play almost every game but then he's got Mike Ferguson's got like six midfielders and he just keeps changing mm-hmm. and the only one who gets a decent runs Carrick but the rest of them you know like I think Anderson gets 25-30 games Fletcher gigs. plays a lot Fletcher yeah. plays a lot Giggs plays a lot midfield mm-hmm. skulls are still there he does bits in midfield Park, comes in and out of midfield, there's someone else who I can't even think of. And there's these lads, and it's just basically he just keeps refreshing them, but he keeps the same front three because these three do so much intense running for him. Mm -hmm. And their job is not really to do a lot more than get the football to the really good lads up front and they're going to sort it out. Mm -hmm. And he has a really settled back four, a really settled front three and this changes and I just think that's what we're going to see all the way through. So if someone doesn't if Henderson for instance doesn't play well I think that's the and that's what he'll be saying to him is yeah but that doesn't mean you're not going to play the Champions League final if we get there.
4: I think you see with City as well in in this sort of I don't know if it's this this sort of day and age, but the the teams that are sort of squabbling over over who's going to win the title now, none of them really have a best eleven. Like you look at City and the, the options they've got in midfield and attack, and, and you're thinking who you're going to start out of De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and David Silva, but then he keeps dropping one out, and it's so frustrating if you're a fantasy league manager because you're picking one, <laughs> picking one, one, where you can triple captain and putting putting all your eggs in his basket, and then all of a sudden he's not starting. It could be Sane, Stern, it could be any of them. So I think the best eleven's a bit of a myth at this stage. Uh, prediction, Allison.
3: Uh, 2
1: 1. Uh, 2 1 to Liverpool, yeah. I'm going to a 3 1. Excellent stuff. All of Josh this afternoon. Uh, we can all get behind that. Anything that gets Liverpool three points, anything that gets us closer to the title, and then we can have a big chat afterwards about how emotional it was. Thanks to everyone.
9: Sports Social Podcast Network.